First of all, I'd just like to congratulate you all for making it through the week, this heat wave. I mean, I grew up in Wales, so there was more than one occasion that I thought I definitely wasn't going to make it. Um, never been so happy to see rain before in my life. Um, so, we are starting, or started, the Sing series. Colin kicked us off last week with part one, did an excellent job. Today is part two, entitled Sing with Heart and Mind. Sing with heart and mind. Okay, cool. Um, I'm going to start with asking you guys a few questions. Uh, has anyone here ever sung karaoke? <laughs> Sober. <laughs> um, anyone here sung in a shower? <laughs> sung into a hairbrush? <laughs> um, <laughs> you'd be surprised, Dave, I get to. Um, sung at sporting events, birthdays. Weddings. Um, Colin, again, covered this last week and he did a really good job. I mean, we do these things because it's fun, right? It's really good to do this. I mean, God created us to sing. We are created to be singers. I mean, <clears throat> the last birthday party I went to ended the night with two groups of strangers coming together and forming a ginormous conga line. I mean, it had the power to bring strangers together and filled them full of joy. But it's not just is um, for Christians too. I mean, Paul, the Apostle Paul, even goes as far in Ephesians 5, uh, verse 19, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music, but from the heart to the Lord. Now, Paul is instructing us to be a church that sings. He is instructing us to be a singing people. So now I'm just going to take it down off track a minute. I'm going to say a well-known phrase, which I imagine everyone here has probably heard. So you are what you eat. Okay? You are what you eat. I mean, you eat three Big Macs a day, wash it down with a pint of Coke. After 20 years, the effects are going to really show. It's not going to be good. I mean, it was bad enough that they even made a film about it. If you haven't seen it, you'll probably never want to eat McDonald's again. But, um, so it's the same, though, for us as Christians, or as Christians, it's really important what we take in spiritually. So currently, constantly, so if we're reading God's Word, His Bible, we need to do that because it fills us full of His truth. It fills us full of His Word. He speaks to us through it. And it helps us grow that way. So if we do it through prayer, we have a, a relational loving God. He wants to hear from us. So we communicate with him, we talk to him, and he helps us grow that way. Singing as Christians is no different. Like we need to sing. I mean, the songs that we sing can shape our hearts and minds. They can influence us, whether we're conscious of it or not. So singing is really important for our spiritual well-being. It helps us grow, so we need to embrace it. So we've got Bible reading, prayer, and singing. You almost need to think of it as like the trinity of spiritual growth. Like we need all three. So if you put it into context, we're British. We love a good Sunday roast, yeah? I mean, many of us are probably going to go home now that the sun's gone in instead of the salad. But, um, so you've got the main components. You've got your meat, your veg, and your roasted potatoes. So you can take away the roast potatoes, 
and just have your meat and your veg, it'll still kind of sustain you, but you're missing out. You ain't got your roasties. Um, and this is no different. If we're not singing, then we're not getting the full benefits of what God has um, given us. So, I mean, you read your Bible often. That's great. Amazing. Keep it up. You pray. You have prayer time. You have a prayer life. That's amazing too. You know, keep it up. But singing always seems to be almost secondary. Now, I did ask a few people, obviously I'm not going to name names, what their singing was like. Um, and a large number was, okay, I sing in worship, but I don't really sing at home. I might listen to worship songs, but I don't sing. And that kind of reflected, there was, obviously I didn't ask everyone, but there was a large number who admitted to that. So we need to embrace it. I mean, singing was a massive part in the biblical times, Old Testament and New Testament. So if you look at Exodus 15 from verse 1, the Song of Moses and Miriam, like the original sort of recorded duet. I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. He has held both horse and rider into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has given me victory. This is my God and I will praise him my father's God and I will exalt him and Moses and the Israelites have just been delivered out of uh, Egypt the slaves they've been brought into the desert it was a fulfillment of one of God's many promises um, but it wasn't easy for them right? they would have gone through fear they would have felt anger they would have been through despair I mean the last thing they would have seen would have been an Egyptian army coming after them with chariots and everything but God delivered them he was faithful and in response to that, the first thing they do is sing. They sing their praise to the Lord. They sing their thanks to him. But nowadays we live in a culture where we are bombarded with a lot of untruths, a lot of false testimonies, false idols. And we need to be on guard for that because music can be a really big one. Like if you think about it, music is played everywhere. Um, Cars, you have it in your radios, you have Spotify, iTunes, MTV. You know, if you walk up the high street, all the, song, all the shops are playing it. You, know, you have your headphones in when you commute. But we inevitably sing along, whether it's out loud or in our, in our heads. And we need to be on guard of what we're singing. Because there are a lot of songs out there that are pretty dodgy. Like There's a lot of a lot of pretty weird stuff, to be honest. Um, and nine times, nine times out of ten, they usually glorify sex, power, money. So it's all things that our culture today hold higher sometimes than God that we, we try to replace God with. So it's so important for us to be aware of what we are feeding ourselves. It's so important to understand what we are taking in, whether we kind of realize it or not. I mean, we are what we eat, so we kind of are what we sing. So if we're not careful, these songs can start having influence on us and start changing the way we might think or changing our attitudes. So if you look at James chapter 1, verses 26 to 27, James tells us, those who consider themselves religious 
and yet, yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in the distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So religion, in this sense, what James is talking about, is different from the religion that we would usually associate religion with as Christians. Um, as a Christian, we hear the word religion. We generally kind of start thinking about legalism, rules, um, things that can, if we're not careful, cause a stumbling block, can take our eyes off Jesus. But James is saying that this religion that he's talking about is mainly what the outside observer sees of the church. So it's kind of like being salt and light. We're supposed to be in the world, but not of it. We need to be good representations of Jesus. We need to show his glory. But he also challenges us to control our tongues. Thinking about what we're saying. Because thinking is an integral part of our faith. What people hear from us is just as important as what people see from us. It's not just our actions that are being watched. People listen to the words that we're saying. So it is so important then to guard ourselves and sing songs which are more gospel-filled, full of truth. So if you look at Matthew chapter 15, verses 10 to 16, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know what the Pharisees do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into the pit. Peter said, explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Ouch. Jesus asked them, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come in out of a person's mouth come from the heart and these defile them. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony and slander. These are what defile a person, but eating eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Now, if these verses, Jesus is telling us that the mouth isn't just for putting things in, the mouth isn't just for eating, but it's also an organ of expressing our thoughts, our attitudes, of our hearts. So singing songs like I said, sometimes has the ability to influence our hearts and stick in our minds whether it's for the positive or the negative. I mean, have you ever had a song stuck in your head? And for some reason, it's one of those really annoying ones that you can't even remember hearing. I mean, just the... I was flicking through Facebook the other day, a really good way to waste an hour of your life. Um, And I was scrolling down and I came across the picture of the old kids' TV show, Rosie and Jim. Anyone remember that? And uh, as soon as I saw the picture, the, the theme tune started going in my head. And I guarantee if you've seen it, 
I bet it's going through your head now. It's that Rosie and Jim, Rosie and Jim. But I haven't watched that show for over 20 years. Two decades, like over 20 years. But yet the, the song was, it still had power. It was still there. So it sticks in our minds. I mean, I love music. Right? My Spotify playlist, appropriately named Tom's Random, has everything on there from drum and bass, reggae, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s rock, some heavy metal, more current stuff, like Ben Howard, Kasabian. Um, so it, I listen to a lot of different styles of music. But I found that when I was listening to some songs, when, uh, predominantly when I'm driving, because I do a lot of driving for my job, um, particularly heavy metal, would make me angry. It would change my attitude. I would start getting angry. I would start being less considerate to other road users. I would speed. And I recognized that. So I changed my habit. So I'm not saying all heavy metal is wrong or bad. It's just how it affected me. Um, different things affect us different, differently. I mean, I can watch more violent films than my wife can because she's a lot more sensitive than I am. And, but I can't watch things like Games of Thrones because I'm a little bit more sensitive to sex. It affects me differently. But I made a conscious choice because of that to stop listening to it. Now, it may be different to you guys. Listening to certain songs, watching certain things that might make you jealous, it might make you want the power, the money, if you're watching the music video, sexual impure thoughts. So we need to be on guard to what we are filling ourselves with. But it's not just ourselves that we need to guard ourselves uh, from. I mean, we need to be aware of the people around us, if it's our family, friends, co-workers, I mean, the first-hand experience I had of this was coming home from work one day, putting my bag down, flicking the kettle on, making a cup of tea. As the kettle was boiling, all I heard was my three-year-old next to me singing that Beyonce's, all the single ladies, all the single, I don't know why I do that, I always do it, <laughs> um, sing Beyonce. But, you know, there, there could be worse things that she's repeating. There could be far worse things that she's picking up. But it just showed me and my wife just how much influence those around us have, especially the more vulnerable, the, the younger. So we need to be really on guard because of that. And because of that, we were kind of shocked into changing what we listened to around the house. So we listened to a lot more worship songs, but we were also careful what other music we listened to. I mean, at the moment, I think her favorite song is the MC Hammer. I can't stop this. It's great fun. But, um, but she does know. She sings, um, and this is due to the, the kids' work here, and our habits change, and they do a lot of singing here. And now she loves to sing, you know, my God is so big, so strong, so mighty, <laughs> that one. Um, and she sings it without even us encouraging her. I mean, if I try and join in with her and get it wrong, I'm rebuked by a three-year-old. She's really keen on it. Um, so my daughter is now singing solid truths. She is singing... Songs which I pray to God will set a good foundation for her to have good biblical solid truth and will hopefully lead her to follow Jesus. And I pray that in 20 years' time, she won't have Paw Patrol or whatever it is stuck in her head, but she'll be singing this. This has more influence over her than these kids' shows. 
By singing truth, it also helps us remember scripture that we can take away with us, that we can take to work with us, that we can, I mean, I wouldn't recommend reading your Bible when you're driving down the M25, but you can sing songs of scripture which have the same, almost same influence. And when I became a Christian, I did come, you know, recognize that there are a lot more famous, I guess, verses, um, ones which seem to get read a lot, ones which seem to be shown everywhere, you know, you walk into the older, like, cathedral sort of buildings on the banners, the ones that go on your fridge and the, po- you know, the magnets, um, and one of them is John 3.16, so this is a really popular one. So, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish and have eternal life. Now, this is an excellent bit of scripture. All scripture is excellent. But this one is particularly good at reminding us of the love of God, what he has for us, and the sacrifice Jesus made for us, um, for our sins. But what if I was to say, John 8, verse 36. No cheating. I don't see anyone looking at their Bibles. Um, I imagine there's not many people here that might know it. If you do, great. If you don't, don't worry. The Bible is an incredibly big book with a lot of words, so I'll let you off. Um, but once if I was to sing, so if the sun sets free, I'm free indeed I am. There you go. We sing. <laughs> Good effort, guys. I like it. <laughs> So um, we sing this a lot here, and it's one of the reasons why I chose it was because we sing it quite a lot in worship in this church. So we are singing corporately John 8, verse 36. That is John 8, verse 36. So we sing that congregation. We're singing scripture together. And I guarantee, like when I said it, most of you, if you've sung it, knew it, knew what came next. I mean, please don't think that I'm telling you to replace the Bible with just singing. I want to just reiterate that. The Bible is so incredibly important. It just is. From earlier on. But if we sing songs rich in truth and scripturally accurate, then we're feeding ourselves truth that may help us through all seasons. As we go off and we get stressed, we, we've got the scripture. I mean, my wife, I often hear her singing over our children. And when you become a parent, you soon become a parent that your children don't value sleep as much as you do. So when, we are, when my wife's trying to get them to sleep, I hear her singing scripture over them. And it doesn't just settle the kids, it settles herself. If she's getting angry or stressed, she'll sing scripture and it reminds her of God and what he's done for us. But singing scripture also reminds us of what God has already done for us and what he will do for us. It reminds us of the, uh, the sacrifice Jesus took for us. Well, we sung this earlier on, which I'm pretty pleased we did, but the Lamb of God, um, the chorus is, the Lamb of God, in my place, your blood poured out, my sin erased. So just by singing those 14 words, you're telling yourself that God loves us so much that he was willing to come to earth as a man, suffer for me and you, and die on the cross, so our sins are forgiven and that we no longer have to fear death. 14 words, hallelujah, amen. So when I start having a bad day, I can start singing that and I'm reminded of the great sacrifice Jesus took for us. And if I'm stressed at work or 
kids are winding me up. I don't know. I sing this and it kind of puts everything into context. It reminds me of the great sacrifice. But I do appreciate this is myself included, that some of us really do need to grow an appetite for singing because it doesn't come easily. I mean, for me, singing publicly, I hate it. You'll never catch me on karaoke. Right? Even singing in worship uh, before, I used to not sing. I used to mouth the words. So I kind of nicknamed it doing the goldfish. And go. All right. But it was really difficult for me. So when I was asked to talk today, I was like, okay, cool. What's it on there? Like singing. I was like, I really don't think I can do this. I, I don't sing. I don't, it doesn't come naturally to me. But I'm a firm believer in practicing what I preach in all walks of life. So I made a conscious effort to change my habits. Um, I started turning off the radio when I was in the car because I do a lot of driving, so I started there. I turned the radio off, put worship music on, sing to it, and I got confident in singing, and then I started singing in the house, which then had a really positive effect on everyone. I mean, it had a positive effect on me. I started becoming more patient, started feeling more in touch with God, filtered down to my family. I wasn't as stressy. Um, it gave me patience with my kids, helped my wife have more patience with me. Um, but it also made it easier for me to sing my heart in worship. It made me easier to stand before God and worship him. I mean, when I first got married, uh, me and my wife lived about 30 minutes away. Um, and she's a nurse, so she would work, often work, Saturday night, Sunday, so I'd come to church on my own. Um, I remember getting into the car, and I used to switch on and listen to ACDC on my way to, work, uh, on the way to church. So I'd be driving to church to be in the presence of the Lord, singing, I'm on a highway to hell. <laughs> I would get here and I'd be like, Jesus, you want me. And then it'd be the same when I went home. And I can remember the conversations I used to have with my wife. She'd be like, I was church. And I'd be like, yeah, the preacher's really good. Now I felt really convicted. I need to read the Bible more or I need to pray more. Or... But the worship, for some reason, I couldn't get into it. I don't know why. I couldn't connect. And I used to wonder why. Right? And... It was just because I wasn't aligning myself with God. I wasn't getting myself in the right place to be in God's presence. I was almost putting him up, shutting him out. Right? So we need to grow our appetites for good soul food. We need to be aware of what we're singing. And congregational singing is an excellent starting point. Because it gives us confidence and security. We're all worshipping the same God together. You know, for many of us, particularly men we might find it difficult to express ourselves, especially openly um, in court. Openly. Um, maybe you think you can't sing. Okay? Or maybe you think you can't hit those high notes. But that doesn't matter. You have an audience of one. And Jesus would rather hear you sing badly than not sing at all. I mean, we're not here to entertain others. Okay? We're here to worship our living God. And stand before him. So the worship songs that we sing Sunday will equip us with quite a big arsenal of truth that we can take away with us. And worship doesn't end at 10.30. We don't have worship that stops. We put that over there then we have a nice talk. That kind of gets over there then we just forget about it and go home. We need to sing. You know, 
Paul tells us that we need to be a singing church. So whenever we can, we need to sing. And you guys, if you need an example to work towards, I'm going to tell you about the guy who wrote most of the Psalms. Like King David, he was by far from perfect. You know, he, he was not perfect. He was, he was a battle-hardened king, would have killed hundreds if not thousands of people in battle. I mean, you cannot get more macho than that. But yet he was able to sing his praises openly and dance before the Lord with all his might. So we need to grow our appetite for singing by focusing why we sing at church, but following up by singing the songs throughout the week. And if you're like me, and you can only ever remember the chorus, right, no matter how long ago you heard it, start there. I mean, I'll often sing the chorus and then just go with the flow, so to speak. I will just sing the chorus, these songs, but then let God take over. I will let God encourage the words. If you have a, your heart in the right place, the Spirit can do some amazing things. Yeah, he will encourage. I mean, there's plenty of resources out there. Like we have the Spotify playlist. Church one's a really good one. Um, dirt cheap CDs. So... Don't let not having access to it be a problem. So if we are what we sing, then we ought to be singing rich truths of the gospel often. If we are what we sing, then we ought to be singing these songs often so that they sustain us, remind us of what God has done and will do for us. We need to sing songs that will encourage us, that will build us up, comfort us in all seasons. You know, we need to sing when we are joyful, when we're happy, but we also need to sing to the Lord when we are sad, when we're angry, when we're stressed. We have a relational God. He wants to hear from us. Like, we need to be open with him, but we need to sing these songs to him. And if we are what we sing and we are what we eat and we're not singing rich spiritual truths, then all we're doing is when we're driving in our cars, when we're on our commute, all we're doing is filling ourselves and eating junk food. So we need to sing. So this week, we need to sing songs rich in truth. In a moment, see the worship band's going to come back up. And we're going to sing a few more songs. And one of them um, is going to be the Lamb of God, the one that I mentioned. We're going to sing that one again. So I just ask you just to focus on those 14 words and take that away with us. As we go leave here today, take them, take them words, focus on that. So when you start getting stressed in work, start getting angry at whatever reasons, you get upset, sing this. Sing those songs. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are there. We thank you that you are present. We thank you that you are our God and you are relational, Father. Now I just pray that as Paul instructs us to be a singing church, I pray that you chisel away the barriers that might be holding us back. I pray that you give us confidence that we can sing our praises to you, that we can sing rich truths of the gospel, Father. And Jesus, we just pray that we can exalt you and glorify you in that way. In your name, amen.